you know, you have some young people that, that, that have excelled at every level. Nately just had a better talent. Uh, you can cultivate and coach and develop and improve a skill set that they have and they, they had a, a predisposition. And you can have a guy that has all those measurables and those sizes and he can be not, not be a good player. Whereas you can have an individual who isn't that can play at that level or you can have all of the above the talent the size the ability and those are the people sometimes who your hall of fame guys you know but then you can have hall of fame people if it's in athletics or in business that have worked and prepared and have uh, developed themselves into a champion but I, but i do think uh the certain things are innate I, I think you're you're you know from a leadership standpoint i know we can we talk about developing leadership and developing leaders, but I think young people too, I think some are more comfortable with that. Welcome to the Fred Opie Show, where we help students, parents, and coaches give their best effort on and off the field. Everybody and their brother who's interested in playing college sports wants to know the school you're interested in going to, what is the coach looking for? Today, we have the opportunity to listen to a person who has been doing this for over two decades, both at the collegiate and professional level. This is Reggie Terry, Director of Football Operations at Boston College. Reggie Terry is from Hempstead, Long Island. His very first organized sport was lacrosse. He played lacrosse throughout his youth years, elementary, middle school, and he played four years lacrosse in high school. So he's been around the game and he understands. The concepts of evaluating talent are parallel no matter what the sports are. And he is going to share with you, the student athlete, as well as you, the parent who's going to eavesdrop on this conversation, what the real deal is. I remember um, watching lacrosse, as you know, it's big on Long Island. Yeah. And I actually played lacrosse prior to that I played football. So uh, the coaches at that time, we would go to NCAA games. We would have them at Rutgers all the time. Uh, we had alumnus at Army and different places. So I remember watching you play, scoring that goal behind your back on national TV. It's like, man, I, and I was just getting into lacrosse, and that was my initial exposure to Syracuse. And, uh, you know, as you know, Syracuse is a national power in lacrosse and won, you know, a gang of national championships. So it was just felt like a good fit, and uh, I didn't don't regret my decision one bit. What was your major at Syracuse in your undergraduate GPA? I majored in history and education, so I was a dual major. But by the time I finished, I was about a 2-9 cumulative average guy. What do you do now? Well, in my role as assistant AD of football operations and player personnel at Boston College, the management and the execution of the program I facilitate with the, the head coach and uh, the athletic director. Uh, this is my fourth year at Boston College, but prior to here, I worked for the Arizona Cardinals in the football administration role uh, as a director of football administration that dealt with uh, personnel, salary cap, day-to-day uh, -day operations, uh, the draft, evaluation. Uh, and then prior to that, I was at Syracuse University in, in a very similar role. So what is the recipe for you all to find great prospects? And how do you find that kid and then vet them? 
we want to do a great job in a five-hour driving radius of our okay. campus initially. Okay. Okay. And, we, and we, we're going to vet and determine. We have coaches that are assigned to different areas throughout the country, and especially in-state. We want to make sure that we accurately identify the players, uh, their high school coaches, uh, you know, what they do. Uh, you evaluate their tape. Uh, and you build a, a book of, uh, of knowledge, if you will, on these young men. And uh, it's from being in the schools, talking to uh, the school personnel, the staff, the teachers. You're, you're acquiring information to make, good, to make good decisions. The football component of it is, is you see that on tape. You evaluate that on a young man's film. You know. Now, what about the tapes, that these mm -hmm. highlight tapes I mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. a lot of players putting together? Yep. Is that the stuff you all looking at, or are you looking at something else? Well, you, that, you look at it initially, but to, to get a firm evaluation, you want to watch game film. Okay. In its entirety, you can make an evaluation on a player on solely on a highlight tape. You know, if you didn't have any other information that he's good enough to play. Now, all of the other variables that you want to understand uh, about what uh, makes that young man who he is. You know, you need a little more digging, but on pure ability, a highlight tape can do it. And it really, can do it. So it's it, not a bad investment. It's not a bad investment, but at the same time, you know, really with Huddle and all the technology that's out what's there today. Huddle? What's Huddle? Huddle is an online uh, video application where a lot of high schools and, 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 and colleges will use to share film and to share, to share video with one another. It's a fee. You can sign up. Not that I'm, 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 I'm pitching Huddle, but... Uh, student athletes can put and develop their own highlight tapes based on everything. So technology, the technology and video today, yeah. uh, I was done digitally, get the tape from their coach and then go and select the games. Uh, I mean, the, the plays off from those games and make their own. Okay. I mean, and so you lot, really don't need to, and to have somebody else. You really, make do, it. You, you really don't. And you can work with your high school coach or your high school A.D., uh, my son did his. He, he did a couple of them, you know, uh, and I didn't even have to get involved, even though I know how to do it. Oh, I have guys on staff who could do it. Yeah, it's <laughs> not did, that hard. It's not that hard. So to invest, a, I'm going to get with this agency and say, hey, can you cut the tape up and take the good plays from the bad plays? And then you can patch it and then send it out. I mean, if you can get that done and not pay a fee, it's just just getting a little uncomfortable and just talking yeah. and talking with some coaches or other kids and and you can you know it doesn't have to be an expense if you can play mm -hmm. somebody's gonna find you mm -hmm. is that true to a degree i mean i'll just use my younger brother in that regard my younger brother uh, was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to, to temple university uh late in his senior year you know six two, 205 pounds and uh, a lot, a lot of schools bypassed him because they didn't really know what he would be and where he would go. But he had tools and talent. So Temple says, "Okay, you know what? We think we, you have enough ability. You know where we want to bring you in." He took a couple visits. He goes to Temple and he redshirts and he's a four-year starter. Four-year starter. Four, a four-year starter. And how much bigger and did he get from the from his senior he, in high school? He, he went from you know he he, got, he walked on campus, paid two hundred and ten pounds. And by the time he left, he was, you know, he was 6'2", 210 pounds. By the time he left, he was 6'3", you know, 235. He goes to Canada and wins a Grey Cup in Hamilton. Wow. <laughs> you know, the next for, year. The next year. Plays for a year, comes back down. a starter? A starter. Played at a high level. Comes back down. Works out for the Chiefs. He gets to the last cut. He gets cut. Seattle picks him up, and he plays for Seattle for about four years. Special teams. Special teams, backup linebacker, started a handful of games as an outside linebacker. Wow. So he played at, at, at a high level. Uh, 
you know, for for a good four but or five years. Yeah, but you're saying is a kid like that. Mm-hmm. You and it happens more to often than not. I mean, really, in the National Football League, if you were to evaluate the rosters, you know, you hear all the guys from the big schools, but a good third, if not more, are guys from obscure places that weren't the five-star, four-star recruits that go on and are basically the, the blue-collar backbone of the National Football League. I mean, it happens every year. Marlon Greenwood was from Freeport, Long Island, and he was a soccer player. Never really played football until like his junior year. So his coach, Russ Sullen, who's still a head coach at, at, at uh, uh, Freeport, uh, says, well, you know, I think I might have a guy that we think who can play. He really hasn't played football. So we get him up. He comes up to camp going into his senior year, okay. football camp. And football camp uh, over, in, you know, on campuses, you know, allow players to work with coaches hands-on and they can – go through, I mean, they can get to know a guy intimately, you know, as he's a player, as a person. So football camp to us was always a great uh, method of evaluation. So Marlon comes up and uh, he goes through it. He comes, he wasn't really recruited at all, really. Wow. <laughs> Not at all, really. Some schools might have picked up late, but but he was, but, but what he was, though, what you saw, you saw he was he wrestled in New York State at a very high level, a state champion. Saw his athleticism and who he was. He comes, he red shirt, give him a scholarship. He goes on and starts for four years and then he's a third round pick drafted by the Dolphins, then he went to Houston Texans, but he had about a seven or eight uh, uh, year career. Uh, and got his had, degree. Got his degree. You guys look like geniuses. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it worked out. And he was a, he was a wonderful player. You know, Matt Ryan uh, wasn't uh, didn't come out of high school out of PA with Penn State and University of Pittsburgh and all these schools that not were highly after recruited. Him. Not highly recruited at all. Uh, he comes to Boston College and and develops. He doesn't really start until late in his red shirt sophomore year and then into his junior and senior year. Uh, developed. You know, didn't it was a scout team player, you know, and, and, and came along and, you know, this past season he won the MVP of the National Football League. But uh, he would tell you that uh, he was a work in progress and he developed over time, you know, so uh, the reality of it is, is regardless of the the rating systems and what these, you know, uh, these recruiting services think about you, if they know of you or if they don't, or if you're still in development, you're still growing. The reality of it is, is you have an opportunity to improve and to get better based on the work that you put in. Save that part again, because the there's a lot of talent yeah. out there yeah. that hasn't figured out the other yeah. part of the equation. Oh, it's no question, and that's very true. Uh, some of the, the most talented players aren't playing. The the the, the hardest workers, the, the kids that are committed, that are committed to the process of, of 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 working and have a higher work capacity, that have great character, uh, that will persevere through adversity, can make up for lesser talent. But those character attributes uh, will not only propel you through football, but you know can propel you through life. Hmm. When I look back on my high school experience, I just wish I could, you know, you want to recreate that because we had this singleness of purpose where there was total buy in by everybody and you expected to win and winning and winning over time from seventh grade to my senior year. Uh, I lost two games in six years. <laughs> if it's a recipe, what was the recipe in Hempstead? Uh huh. The recipe, we, we had tremendous talent but the that but the talent still had to be cultivated and had to be developed 
So there was a, a culture established by men, men like Don Ryan, who just actually was voted in as the mayor of Hempstead. Uh, Biddy basketball, that he programs that he had that fed uh, the middle school and the high school programs where kids at that level started and won national championships in bitty basketball going back to the 70s. Kids started to salivate and to expect it. The basketball piece turned with that and, and we were very successful in basketball and football uh, with Buddy Krumanak as he was the head coach and what he established when he came, they, we, they were terrible. He came in and established the program and, uh, and, and an expectation and that talent was cultivated and developed and it moved forward. So I think you have to have an approach. You have to have a philosophy of, of, of your goals and the expectations in these programs. And then uh, with the people, because you can have you have great teams today that don't win. I mean, if that if it was that easy, you know, from a professional standpoint, you can go out and buy players and free agency and get to, you know, have fantasy football, fantasy basketball and mm -hmm. you should win. But it doesn't work that way. You got to be a team if you like women's basketball or not. But when you watch what the University of Connecticut has done to be able to do that at that high level at, at, at for so long, it's mind numbing. Everybody can get good players. But the culture and the expectation and what they've developed uh, is impressive. A common habit of wanting to win and doing the things necessary to win. It's one thing to want to win, but are you committed to doing the things to win? So do mm. your actions align with what you say mm -hmm. that you are? I want to say the intangibles of uh, being committed and, and working hard and uh, having high character, you know, doing the right things right, you know, and, and then doing the right things right when nobody's looking, you know, I mm -hmm. mean, uh, not because uh, I, you know, I was told to do it, because, but you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. You, you want to bring young men to your campus that will come and represent themselves, their families, their schools well, and that will uh, put the work in necessary to be successful. The show will be right back. For related content on negotiating the world of school and sports, visit our website at fredopi.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. The best way to support the podcast is to tell a friend, share the show on Facebook and Twitter, or send them to our website at fredopi.com. Hey folks, if you're enjoying today's show, Check out the interview Fred did with former lacrosse All-American Dan Williams. Dan played at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point and was also the parent of a highly recruited college football player who was destined for the NFL before he had troubles with concussions. Here's a short clip from that episode, which is available on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to The Fred Opie Show. For a college kid, he's going to look for the parent to, uh, for guidance, you may get express your opinion. It's going to ultimately be up to that kid to to say, okay, I'm going to take my parents' advice, or he's going to say, you know what, mom, dad, while I completely acknowledge what you say, I and I hear you, I'm still going to go out on the field on my time. 18, there's going to be very little you can do to stop him, whether 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 you tell him to or not. My son knew how I felt. I wanted, he, he knew I wanted him to stop. And that was, and that was, that was also part of me sitting him down and saying, hey, what do you, what are you going to do? He knew when I said, what are you going to do? You have not made it through your concussion protocol. Ultimately, my son wanted to go to law school. I love football. 
I'm in love now with my new goals and aspiration. And he wanted to go to law school. And he, you know, ultimately he wants, 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 he says, you know what, I want to be, I, I want to be a judge. At what level? The highest level he can get to. He wanted to be able to get to the best law school that he, that he could. He goes, I need to, mentally, I need my brain to be able to do that. So he made the decision. He says, okay, well, in order to be able to do that, I need to, I need to stop now. So he stopped. He ended up, um, you know, using the, using the second half of that year to study for his LSAT. He, he got into he got into four of the top ten, you know, uh, four of the three three of the top ten uh, law schools nationally. He ended up choosing he went he he he's at uh, at Fort Law School, uh, Cal Berkeley, at Berkeley, finishing up his second year, doing great there, and he loves it. Once again, that was Fred Opie's interview with former All American lacrosse player Dan Williams. Fred and Dan speak about a lot of the same issues that you're hearing in today's episode with Reggie Terry. So if you're enjoying the show, check it out on the Fred Opie Show page on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you listen to the podcast, and make sure you recommend it to a friend. Now let's get back to today's show with Reggie Terry. Enjoy! How does a student-athlete get the college experience if they have athletes' dorms, study Mm -hmm. table, Mm -hmm. training table, special meals? What is your feeling about this this concept of cloistering athletes mm-hmm. and what is the happy medium? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You you and I have a student athlete, two of them in your mm-hmm. in your in your in your household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at programs, <laughs> what do you think the right balance is between yeah. developing healthy relationship with your teammates and developing healthy relationship with the rest of the student body? Yeah, is my no, question. I think it's a great question and it's critically important. I think it's something that really. Uh, the NCAA right now uh, is is not say just wrestling with, but putting things in place to help encourage that. You know, with time demands on student athletes, because you know the idea that these young men and women are employees, and you know you got these regimented schedules, and they got to be certain places, which is true to be good at the uh, that at least to start to be really good and, and to be successful. Uh, there's work and things that need to be done. I think the, what has to happen, though, is that obviously you need balance, uh, uh, and your identity can't be rooted in you know what you do. You know, you're you're an athlete and a student. Now, if my identity is as a football player or a women's ice hockey player, that's going to limit you know your interest in, in in doing some things. So I think this. I think uh, all those things are true, and and you those things are in place. Uh, for schedule purposes with, with training table types of meals mm-hmm. or as it relates to study table with hours and time to make sure that, you know, you're, you're here on a scholarship that we want to give you everything that you need to be able to be successful. Because in most cases, in some of your revenue sports, if it wasn't for those athletic opportunities, you know, uh, you probably wouldn't be admissible into those institutions. You know, I just think about my own experience. You know, one of the things that I hated to do, I never wanted to wear issued gear on campus. I just <laughs> why didn't. Not? I, I, why not? I, I just I just I didn't want to be associated with oh man, that's another football guy. Cause I mean, and they could pick you out because the gear that you get nobody else on campus has unless you're a part of the team. Swag. So, yeah, the swag. You know, so so one of the things I, I made that decision early on in my academic career that, you know what, when I go to class, I'm wearing my clothes. And I might sit with my teammates uh, from time to time, but I'm not sitting up, you know, just 
with my guys and, you know, we're in the back or wherever you are. I wanted to be identified uh, as Reggie Terry, not just Reggie Terry, the football guy. So did that give you any problems with your teammates? That? Actually, it, 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 it guarded the respect. Uh, I would sit with my guys, but at the same time, you know, if I got there first, I, would, I wouldn't sit in the back. I'd sit in the front or sit in the middle or, or sit with some people that I didn't know. Um, I think it's critically important, not just for athletes, but all students when they get to school to experience it, to, to ask questions, to get out of your box. I mean, um, the athlete box, the athlete box or the fraternity box, or, you know, if, if I come from a community where it's not as diverse, I mean, I knew what Hempstead was, but it, it took me to, it took me to go away to college to kind of understand, uh, what Long Island was as it related to the oh, subculture that was Long Island. The, the subculture was Long Island. I was totally oblivious to. Interesting. Uh, and being going to a predominantly uh, African American high school, I was a totally oblivious to several subcultures. I had no idea of uh, that 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 existed. You know, learning about just all of these subcultures. I mean, uh, different ethnic groups uh, and ethnicities and religions. So it was, you know, it was interesting. Do you do you find as director of football operations? I can imagine mm -hmm. some of the white players that go to Syracuse or Boston mm -hmm. got, have mm -hmm. never run around that many black oh, folks down there sure. on their team. Oh, it's, what it's, kind of what kind of dynamics happen well, even well, with that? Well, I mean. You know, that's very true as well. I mean, um, just He's coming exposure, from Pennsylvania, Ohio, very, Massachusetts. Very, very, very true. And, and, and then I think the other, with the demographic of uh, people of color at different campuses, I mean, different groups are represented differently. You know, people of color aren't necessarily as well represented. And that, what that interaction is, it is interesting. That's the beauty about athletics, though, because it's a team. You're there, uh, and the common goal is to win in football, and you learn of each other. You learn of other backgrounds. You learn of other people. We can't force feed it, but you have to give the opportunity to. So when you're in class, you know, hey, or you know, you know, you don't have to be in a group with only the teammates, people that you know who might be in that class. Or uh, if there's some things on campus, you know. Uh, a seminar, somebody speaking, go and, 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 and expand, stretch, but it's just getting out of your comfort zone. What are some things about great prospects that you believe that other people think you're crazy? You know, you have some young people that, that, that have excelled at every level, innately just had a better talent. Uh, you can cultivate and coach and develop and improve a skill set that they have and they, that they had a, a predisposition with. Now, I don't advocate to say that, you know, if you aren't as talented or you don't have that disposition, you can't be better. You can't improve. People are different. Skill sets are different. You said alignment is typically yeah. this tall yeah. and weighs this yeah, much. Well, ain't much you can, can do, do with about that. that. And you can have a guy that has all those measurables and those sizes and he can be not, not be a good player. Whereas you can have an individual who isn't that can play at that level or you can have all of the above the talent the size the ability and those are the people sometimes who your hall of fame guys you know but then you can have hall of fame people if it's in athletics or in business that have worked and prepared and have uh, developed themselves into a champion but I, but I do think uh, the certain things are innate I, I think you're you're you know from a leadership standpoint I know we can we talk about developing leadership and developing leaders, but I think young people too, I think some are more comfortable with that. Uh, what are some thoughts that you have about great prospects mm -hmm. that later on you learned was wrong? 
sometimes you can think that a great prospect has a great work ethic. The reality of it is they had great talent and ability uh, that they just had great talent and ability. And then um, uh, you, you get around uh, some of these kids and they don't know how to work. They don't know mm-hmm. how to prepare. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it takes to really win. They've been so talented wherever they've, they've come from, where they've gotten away with just based on their skills and their abilities and their talent. Now, when, when talent matches talent, what gets you over the hump? Your character, your hard work, your commitment, your perseverance. And in some regards, even without talent, those attributes can beat the talent. Me and my wife and mm-hmm. listeners that know, we're both mm-hmm. college professors, both mm-hmm. got doctor degrees. Mm-hmm. The ongoing battle in the OP house is mm-hmm. all the kids got to go to college. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe if a kid is gifted mm-hmm. in a certain field that yeah. needs college, send them to college. Yeah. But if the kid is gifted in another field, send them to the apprenticeship or what do they need to, get to that. do that. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, I'm also asking that question. How does all the experiences you've seen watching mm-hmm. your brother in that mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. all these talented kids at Hempstead, mm-hmm. how does that shape the way you and your wife raise your kids? And by the way, mm-hmm. Reggie married a high school sweetheart. Yes. So how does that affect yes. how you guys raise your kids? What I try to stress is that Listen, guys, mom and dad love you, but we can't do it for you. You have to be committed and invested in that process of uh, discerning who and what you want to become. I can't create that for you. I can I can we can we can put the things in place, but uh, you have to go get it because I try to get them to understand is once you walk out of our front door, uh, uh, the love for Ryan Terry, Reggie Terry stops. The world could care less if you if you if you had success or if you failed. If I don't get these things together, if I don't pursue this with passion and vigor, if, if, if I don't put my best foot forward, my hopes, my dreams, the things that I want to do might not be obtained. And, and, and mom and dad can't can't do it for you. We can help facilitate it. But you have to understand that in life, nothing's free. Nobody's giving out free lunches, so to speak. If you don't get it done. And, and, it, and if you don't drive and push yourself in and, and work and fight and scratch and do all that you can to get yourself in, 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 in the situation, don't expect anybody else to. Uh, it's rough out there. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we, we live in a, in, a, in, a, in a capitalist society, zero sum. You got winners, you got losers, you got people in the middle. You know, what are you willing to invest to be what you want to become? And that's just not as an athlete, as a person, from a faith perspective. If you have a belief uh, that uh, in who you are as a Christian young person, then, then live that life. Pursue it. That doesn't mean you're perfect, but let your speech match your action. Uh, and and if, if you can do that, you're moving in the right direction to be able to go out and compete and do it. Because, I mean, the reality of it is, is everybody doesn't get a scholarship. You know, everybody won't get admitted to the schools that you want to go to. Okay. Now what? You, you know, adversity strikes. You know, what do I do? Uh, well, you got to adjust and, 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 and figure it out and, 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 and to keep pushing because the reality of it is, is nobody cares outside of your family. <laughs> and if you don't love you and care about you, guess what? We're going to have problems. Do all your kids have to go to college? And this is how I like to describe it from college. And, but, and keep in mind, I yeah, know, I, just I, like my parents, uh-huh. your dad didn't go to college. Uh, he, he went, but he didn't graduate. Yeah, my father never graduated. Uh-huh. Did a semester. My mother never graduated. Uh, my, my mom went and didn't graduate. They, they left college. My, my dad left college after years. And your you know, father worked years hard, hard for a living. Construction, no question. And left college to marry my mom. 
Uh, but my parents, uh, especially my dad, always emphasized education. You know, it was six of us. It was three boys and three girls. Of the six, uh, five got college undergrad degrees. Of the six, uh, three have masters. You know, myself, I'm trying to be like yourself. I need to finish my dissertation. He's about to get his PhD. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm putting it on like the air force, put pressure yeah, on him. Put, on him. put pressure <laughs> on me, brother. I need to. I need to get it right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, 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 so they pushed it. But I don't disagree w- with, you know, uh, your comments about, you know, if it's a trade and that kind of thing, that's great. Uh, but, and then have that passion to qualify yourself. But the degree piece, I always looked at it like this. When I was in elementary school, you know, you want to go to the bathroom. It was this block of wood. You know, you had a hall pass. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes a hall pass it had a had a chain on it with the key to the bathroom, or sometimes just a block of wood. So if you had that block of wood, and the hall monitor was like, "Where you going?" You know, you you had your I got my pass. You know, okay, you can go. So a degree to me is your hall pass. It gives you access. Now, uh, what I tell kids all the time now, even though you get this degree, that doesn't mean that you're going to be in that field. I mean, but what, what that allows you to do, I think it trains you. The academic training trains you how to solve problems, to work with other people, to process information. Uh, because when you get on these jobs, these young people uh, and, and some of the danger of technology don't know how to interact, you know, can't speak, don't know how to write, you know, uh, can't communicate. So. I think in my household is the mantra, hey, listen, you know, you need to, you're you going to do something. You, need, you better get that hall pass. Yeah, you get that hall pass. <laughs> and if that hall pass is going to be a carpenter, go get that certificate. Yeah. And, 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 and go work for whatever union and, and, and get going. But we've, we've, we've pushed the degree in education because it just gives you access to so much more. However, if you don't have that, but you have a, a talent or you're invested yourself in a different way, form it, it, it materializes in a different manner, not a degree, but a certificate or a trade school mm-hmm. or, then you know, have Adam, you know. Well, uh, what I'm hearing you say is everybody needs a passport. It doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be a college degree. That's right. And college degrees give you access to more, but if not, if, if, if that more stuff is not what you want to do and you have a better idea of what you want that to be, then, then migrate down towards that, towards that path. I, I, I think the scary thing for us parents is, is that, okay, some kids say, hey, I'm going to college and I'm doing this and I come out with all these loans and I can't get a job. Now yeah. what? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a problem throughout yeah. America. Yeah. You know, in regards to the way the system's set up, you know, you go to these wonderful institutions, uh, these tremendous degrees. The process of it is, is you're qualifying yourself, you're educating yourself, you're exposing yourself. How do I take this information and this stuff that I'm doing, how do I make it practical that they can help me? You can go to some of the finest institutions in America and still not have the success that you thought you would because, you know, who you are as a person. I think you bring those degrees and those things to life, not the other way around. Because I went to this and that school, you got to give me a job. I think because who you are gets you the job. Yeah. But the, the, the degree gives you the access. Yeah. Uh, I have a niece uh, has a potential to be a, a scholarship, one a track athlete. Talk with her just from a, a standpoint of, of what the game is, the evaluation, and it's competitive, and you got to put your work in, and it's not easy. Uh, my two oldest boys uh, are bona fide athletes. He thinks I'm really hard on them. Your brother uh, thinks you're too hard on him? 
See, my brother's the same way. He thinks I'm, he thinks I'm hard on him, but then so he's talking you off the cliff. He says he'll come and say, "Man, man, listen, that's what when I was his age, I was doing that. You was different, but I was doing that kind of stuff." So he'll 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 talk to him. I know what your dad is, but but listen, you, you keep. You need to do these things to, to, like, to keep coming along. And, so, and it's probably the work ethic, work ethic well, part. The work ethic piece. He tells my kids this, this story. I go off to Syracuse, and I come back home, and he's saying, yeah, I want to play. I want to go to the NBA and do this. All right, man, say, listen, let's go out and work out. You know, let's go out for a run. He's or, a sophomore in high school. So I come home, and uh, we go to a trail. So I say, all right, man, you ready? He said, yeah, you know, I'm ready. So we get out there, and we're running. It was basically like a three-and-a-half-mile course. You know, nothing too heavy, but but it had uh, peaks and valleys and mountains. Had some Walter Payton hills? Yeah, yeah, it had, <laughs> had some hills. So we get out there, and he's running with me. And uh, he started to slow down. I said, come on, man, you know, you got to push it through now. So he's hurting. He's laboring. I remember it, but he tells the story much better than I. So he, he says, I turn around to him, listen, man, you're not ready yet. You're not committed. And I leave him. I'm going to get my running. So I left him, and then I passed him on the way back. So Tim, he would go, and he would, he tells my kids, he says, man, listen. To this day, he says, he said, what I learned that day was what I thought I wanted to do and what I was committed to were, were yeah. two different things. Tim's work ethic changed. He would say it changed when he realized that, hey, I want to do what my brother's doing, and I can't even finish this little run. He, he was always talented, but then he said, well, listen, maybe I need to, to lift weights a little bit. Well, maybe, Brad, what are you guys doing at Syracuse? You know, so. Let me see your workout sheet. Yeah, I want to come to football camp. Can I come up? So whenever I was home, we worked out together. The other thing, and he will tell you this as well, he used to say I was rough on him. My brother was a lacrosse goalie. The first I remember. He was he was a goalie. And he was playing on the, the teams when, uh, with uh, Mr. Hodish and those teams. On his games on Sunday afternoons, I would take him out and I would warm him up. I said, Reg, man, you used to try to kill me. I said, no, man, I was just trying to get you ready to play. Those things, and, and you have no idea as a sibling or even with people that you work with, the impact that you have on their lives. And you're just trying to do what you think is best and pushing them and wanting the best from them. But he would say those experiences really helped cultivate and, and build and develop what he you know what he wanted to become as an athlete I don't think mm-hmm. most high school athletes understand the work and commitment it mm-hmm. takes mm-hmm. to play at the college level at mm-hmm. any level mm-hmm. d3 d1 yeah, d2 yeah, yeah and I think for me you're right I saw a guy from my hometown mm-hmm. who made it mm-hmm. he was so much better shaped mm-hmm. than than the average mm-hmm. kid from my mm-hmm. town he mm-hmm. was so much more committed to mm-hmm. working and practicing mm-hmm. that it really is difficult to go from a fantasy, which most of our kids are doing mm-hmm. computer games, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. looking at fantasy. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at reality. Yeah. And you're trying to translate to them, mm-hmm. this is what it takes. Yeah. Who yeah. was the person that was pushing you? This is what happened. I was in fifth grade. I was in a homecoming parade. At the end of that homecoming parade, I stayed with my school group and watched the game. Hemsep was playing Sawanica High School. Vinny Testaverde actually yeah. was a Sawanica kid. Uh, went to Sawanica kid and was very successful, as you know. But I was watching the game. I was like in awe. In fifth grade, I want to play that. My first organized sport was in fifth grade, and I played lacrosse. What was good about it was just the competes and just understanding how to work within the team and to compete against other kids and it was okay. The thing that I never forgot, and it's a simple drill, you know, with kids, it was a ground ball drill. You got two kids, you roll the ground out, go get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
just the fact that I got the ball, I did it. It built upon that. I started to to kind of crave it. But that's what happened for me. You know, uh, fifth grade, I saw that. And I said, I, whatever it took, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to play and I, and I wanted I wanted to be good. I worked at it. Very thankful, you know, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to go to school and does it seem a little surreal to you the stuff that you're doing now and able to do? Or yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm thankful. I get paid well. I have a wonderful job, but it doesn't feel like work. My son's coming to Boston College. He's going to play football and be a student athlete. And boy, uh, that must feel it's exciting. It's exciting, and I'm happy for him because he's a good boy. Uh, he's worked hard. Is he bigger than you already? Uh, he's taller. Okay, he's taller. I uh, tell all my sons, though, let's be sure before they want to grab old dad, they need to be ready. <laughs> you know, I'm 46 now. I mean, I, you know, I got some things left in the tank, you know. I mean, to put your kids in position to do the things that, you know, you, 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 your hopes and dreams for them, just because you want to you give them a, a chance yeah. to do the things they want to do. If it's, you know, play ball and get a tremendous education, that's great. I want to earn a scholarship. I want to play. Okay, be careful because if you say those things, then I'm gonna to try to hold you accountable to what the expectation is. Even for our kids, you know, say, hey, you know, I want, you know, we can we can say, hey, I want to go to college, but hey, listen, I see you on a Thursday night, you know. Yeah, hello. You know, <laughs> you're, 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 my homework's done, but that okay, pick up a book, get on the internet, read something, do something, you know, opposed to. And it's a time to relax and a time to yeah. do some things. But at the same time, you know, the, the amount of effort and the commitment to be really good and to have the success that you want athletically, academically, artistically, you know, you got to put in the work. The 10,000 hours of you want to be a, 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 an expert, the, 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 the mantra of 10,000 hours invested in that. This man does this professionally. He's done mm -hmm. it at the collegiate level. He's done it at the professional level. His brother does mm -hmm. this professionally. Plenty of reason not to listen to me because I, I don't do this professionally. I'm a college professor. I'm a and I'm a humble parent, a humble youth coach. Mm -hmm. This man is looking and and doling out scholarships. How many year every year? How many scholarships do you all hand depending, out? Depending depending on the uh, on average. On average, I mean, at least fifteen to sixteen. They talk about full scholarships. In some years, as many as you know, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Very income and seventeen kids are already committed. They signed a national level of intent and uh, the first Wednesday of. Uh, of February, you simultaneously recruit two classes. So, wow. I mean, the 18 kids we've been recruiting uh, going into uh, 2000 and uh, we were going into the 2006, 2017 academic year. So we've been in, we, we've been tracking these guys. And by the time, you know, we, so how big is your pool like right now? Right now, our pool for 2018, I want to say we have, we've probably evaluated, you know, about seven, 800 players. Right, and when when will you get it down to the number of 50 or something? Once we get through uh, this June, we know by position the players that we're interested in. Then we know by area where they're from. We have a pool right now that, you know, we're looking at. I mean, it's probably legitimately guys that we've offered right around uh, 150 guys. 150 guys. You know. For and, next year's and, class. For next year's class. And then as we get through the month of June... You know, we have so many spots and young men will commit, you know, and, and, and decide to come. Uh, and then, you know, hey, listen, of we've offered these 150, 200 kids and we got 
15 spots, 16 spots. And so it's, it's really pressure on them right. to tell you as soon as possible. As soon as possible, and they have other options. So we, we might be chasing them down, but they have other options with other institutions as well. So uh, just be be confident of what you have, because if you wait too long, sometimes, you know. Snooze, you lose. Snooze, you lose. In, in lacrosse, mm-hmm. U.S. Lacrosse, last month magazine came out mm-hmm. with a story mm-hmm. of kids as young as eighth grade. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. you have kids who haven't even stepped on a mm-hmm. varsity Field. team at their high school mm-hmm. and they're getting offers mm-hmm. and pressure to make verbal commitments. Mm-hmm. Is the nature of the genetics of football such that that's not happening that young? I, I, how young are you all saying to a kid, mm-hmm. I need a verbal commitment? <laughs> yeah, it, believe it or not, it's picking up in football. You have some offers that is slung out to kids who were in eighth grade, actually. In young, eighth grade as well. Well, Leonard Fournette, the, the big running back that's coming out of uh, LSU this year, was almost like a prodigy, if you will. Uh, he was as big and talented probably is that he is now as he is then. He was one of the first guys that would get, had had offers in football at in eighth grade, Alabama, LSU, and obviously was a wonderful player. He's, he's most likely going to be one of the first running backs taken. And a commitment doesn't mean that, you know, uh, at, at that level, you got four years of high school left to play. You know, some schools will offer kids very early with what they hope and potentially can like be. Ninth grade? Ninth grade. And, and they can offer. That doesn't mean that's going to be valid by the time you're a senior. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, and it's not binding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So how many like un- the decommits? Is that quite common that you're yes. finding now? It's common, and it's you common. you don't you all are not offended when a kid decommits. Yeah, well, well, our approach to it is is that when we offer, uh, you know, and get into a relationship with a young man, it's a process. So the hope is is that um, when you say that you want to come, you're saying that hey, listen, I'm coming. This is a commitment. This is a commitment, you know, and we believe that, uh, and I think it's important just for young people now. This is a day and age in which kids commit to uh, schools. And then schools commit to kids and then back away. You know, before that was really not really seen. The schools would not back away. Right. But now it's starting to happen. Oh, yeah. They found a play that might be better or they, they mm. might they might tell that play it something differently. But the, the reality of it is, is you know, they're, they're playing, you know, to try to get the best guys they want to get. But how we operate and what we like to do when, we, when a young man, we often a young man commits, you know, we, we're going to abide by that. Sounds like increasingly it's becoming a wild, wild west. Parents need to pump the brakes uh, in regards to that, in regards to, hey, listen, my kid is a five-star guy and he should have this school and that school. Let the process take care of itself. Do all you can to put your child in the best possible situation where he can be in, in position to, to earn and to receive an athletic scholarship. And don't take for aid. granted if you get an offer, yeah. don't sit there and play cute. Yeah, because the reality of it is, is before that national signing day, before you... Uh, actually starting the dotted line, there's, you know, there's some things that you need to assess and evaluate. Why you go to a school, not because of, I like the helmets and the uniform and their Nike opposed to Under Armour. <laughs> Let's make it on some substance, you know, the people, uh, the education, comfort level that you have with being at that, at that school. I love Reggie's story about the football player. Guy that never played football in high school until his, sounds like his last year, the year and a half. He switches from soccer to football. There are people like that in lacrosse. I hear people say, well, you get, your kid's got to start playing this game, and he's in third, second grade, if he ever wants to get a chance playing this high school team. That is straight up not true. If you're a great athlete, you're going to pick up whatever sport it is, and you're going to excel. Some of this is straight up genetics. A lot of it is hard work. He says to 
parents that you put your kid in position and then you let the child take over and it's up to them. You better have your act together off the field because coaches who are going to be expending money on you if they offer you a scholarship want to make sure that you're not a, a knucklehead. Thanks again for listening to the show. I love giving talks on the topic of school and sports. For more information, email the show at fdopie at gmail.com. Once again, that's fdopie at gmail.com. You can also contact us if you're interested in advertising on the show. The best way to support the podcast is to tell a friend, share the show on Facebook and Twitter, or send them to our website at fredopie.com. Thanks for listening, and be good.